0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program, the miracle of modern communications technology. We have um, produced a program that aired for the past, I guess, uh, five weeks now? despite the fact that yours truly was absent without leave. Well, absent anyway. Yours truly decamped the United States on the 1st of November and returned on the 30th of November, which pretty much made me absent for November. Thanks to Mr. McMillan, along with Heather Klinger, and numerous people who helped get this show aired on schedule during that hiatus. I'll bet no, most you didn't even notice. I hope not, anyway. But as advertised for many weeks and many months leading up to November 2012, yours truly intended to go down and see an eclipse on the continent of Australia. Thanks to a little help from my friends, specifically Roger and Holly Orman of Arnold, California, I was able to witness the spectacle from a hot air balloon. I did not expect to indulge in such an extravagance, but when I got to Cairns and realized the weather was going to be iffy, it seemed like a good bet. And it was indeed a bet that paid off. In the next week or two, we hope to uh, post some pictures on our website that will uh, show how cool that whole thing really was. By the way, I did, I did predict with some degree of confidence that I would travel at random out into the world, and run into someone who knew someone that I knew. In other words, me and person X would have a mutual friend or at least acquaintance. And so it was on the 11th of November in Cannes, Australia, that this correspondent encountered Ms. Pamela Taylor, the Australian correspondent of KDVS's very own This Week in Science, a program heard on KDVS every Tuesday between 8.30 and 9.30 in the morning. Pamela's been a regular contributor to the efforts of Dr. Kirsten Sanford and Justin Jackson. In fact, when Kirsten was preoccupied having a baby, Pamela filled in as her substitute host with Justin. How this unfolded will be uh, discussed in segment two, when Pamela joins us from A Land Down Under. You know, Mr. Millen, I, I do kind of like that song, but I think we'll probably get tired of it as the Australian theme as we go along. Aww. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if Pam approves of that as her particular theme song. Because I'm pretty sure she's going to give thumbs down to waltzing Matilda. <laughs> or, for that matter, tie me kangaroo down. Anyway, we await your judgment, Pamela, in, uh, in segment two. But let us start today's program, as we like to do, with on this date in history and then weave in the rest of the stuff that we usually do, along with looks back at uh, the trip and um, an accounting of what's been happening here in the news and what's been happening in the world in the news. In the last few weeks, quite a lot has been. Now, lest I get too rusty all of this with my uh, my long layoff, let us review our date in history today, which is the 6th of December. It was on December 6th in 1631 that the great German astronomer Johann Kepler successfully predicts the transit of Venus across the face of the sun. Kepler not only predicted this particular transit, but also worked out that such transits would occur in a cycle of approximately every 120 years. Well, actually, as we talked about uh, last June, they, they come in pairs about every 120 years. And by the way, one of our favorite uh, interviews we ever conducted on this program can be found in our archives, our interview with James Conner about his book on the illustrious Johann Kepler. It was titled Kepler's Witch, in this case referred to his dear mother who was actually tried for witchcraft. Quite a story, quite an interview, and we hope that you'll check it out if you didn't hear it uh, the first time, or, or even if you did. At any rate, on December 6th in 1768, the first Encyclopedia Britannica was published in Scotland, which unfortunately many geographically confused Americans may not realize is part of Great Britain. Although some in Scotland are making noise about separating again and being more independent, and I don't know, it just goes on and on, doesn't it? All of that lumping and splitting. All right, December 6th in 1884, the 555-foot-tall Washington Monument was completed. 101 years after George Washington approved its location. Construction did not in fact begin until July 4, 1848 and was stopped in 1854 for lack of funds. Construction remained stopped throughout the Civil War, but in 1876, President U.S. Grant authorized its completion. When its capstone was finally set in place, it was the tallest structure in the world. From this date in 1917, during World War I, the most devastating man-made explosion in the pre-atomic age occurred, oddly enough, in Canada. The Mont Blanc, a French munition ship packed with more than 2,500 tons of munitions, exploded after colliding with another vessel. This explosion killed more than 1,800 people, injured another 9,000, and destroyed almost the entire north end of the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia. And finally, on December 6th in 1945, the British scientist and Raytheon engineer Percy Spencer invented the microwave oven after observing that a candy bar in his pocket melted as he stood in front of a magnetron tube that had been switched on. So uh, next time you stick something in the microwave, please doff your hat to Mr. Percy Spencer. Our quote of the day, and by the way, I want to apologize for my raspy voice. It's something I picked up in Southeast Asia. I realize that does sound kind of bad to say, but I suspect this has as much to do with Asian air pollution as a virus, or worse. I did actually think that I might have had malaria when I was in Cambodia, but we're going to save that story for segment two. I was headed for our quote of the day, and let's return to that. Our quote of the day comes from Emily Dickinson, who said, and I like this, Find ecstasy in life. The mere sense of living is joy enough. Our clip of the day comes from Adlai Stevenson, who said, You can tell the size of a man by the size of the thing that makes him mad. Which allows me to use our joke of the day also from Adlai Stevenson, who once said, In America, anyone can become president. It's one of the risks we take. And our bonus bit of humor comes from this item from the Daily Telegraph in the UK, which notes that Prince William's sister-in-law, Pippa, or is it Pippa? I don't know. Pippa Middleton has apparently published a volume of party planning tips that is being widely mocked for such insights as, quote, Turkeys are perfect for feeding large gatherings unquote. And also this mini bombshell, cupboards, drawers, or boxes should be packed full of useful odds and ends. Yes, evidently this book has inspired a spoof Twitter feed, at Pippa Tips, which has included such helpful hints as, make a nice present even better by wrapping it in shiny colored paper. Ouch! Our stat of the day, and Mr. McMillan, I think we need some appropriate music for this one. What a drag it is getting old. Yes, apparently the four members of the Rolling Stones, who launched their 50th anniversary tour in London last week, are now older on average than the nine members of the United States Supreme Court. If you do the math, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Charlie Watts, and Ronnie Wood have an average age of almost 69 years. If you're keeping tabs, the justices on the Supreme Court's average age is nearly 67 years. Yeah, I gotta say, I have missed doing this show for many weeks, and nothing more than this item, which I know is a favorite of many of you, dear listeners, the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week a few weeks back for boosting British morale. After a new book by author Stuart Laycock, all the countries we've ever invaded, and a few we never got around to, (laughs) found that Great Britain has in fact invaded 90% of the 200 countries of the world at some point in its history. That sounds like a book worth checking out. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for planning your vacation to North Korea recently when officials there indicated that the 105 story, what's described as remarkably ugly, Ryugyong Hotel in Pyongyang uh, might soon open, just 23 years behind schedule. Yes, apparently North Korean bureaucrats have indicated that the hotel would, quote, partially, comma, probably, unquote, open for business. In 2013. I suppose this may be a contender for the worst hotel in Asia, but we'll have some fierce competition from the hotel I'm going to tell you about in segment two. At any rate, it was an ugly week a few weeks back for human kindness after Michael Vercher of Woodstock, Georgia apparently posted an, an online ad saying his family was giving away some of its furniture for free before they moved. Evidently, people showed up in droves and ransacked the house for everything the virtues owned. But that item, horrifying though it may be, must take the backseat to the two following Only in America pieces, also courtesy of The Week. Item number one, a Colorado homeowners association has set up a radar system within its gated community and will soon begin issuing speeding tickets. Fines for exceeding the 30 mile per hour speed limit range from $15 to $100, and residents will be held responsible for paying the fine if the speeding motorist was visiting them," said resident Derek Brown. "It's just a little bit overboard." Chris, we would point out to Mr. Brown, no one forced you to live in a gated community. If you want to make yourself the victim of people who, had they lived in East Germany, would have been Stasi members, well, there's probably no better way than to move into a gated community. But that Only in America item is topped by number two, which is that a man is suing a New York church after the crucifix he prayed to every day toppled over and crushed his leg. Yes, David Jimenez, age 45, says he was cleaning the heavy marble statue in gratitude for Jesus having cured his wife's cancer when it fell on him. Claiming now that the church was negligent, Jimenez seeks $3 million in damages. And by God, this is America. He may get it. All right, you know, we sometimes refer to the Only in America uh, file as the... um, our disgrace of a legal system file, since it's so often when we cite those items that they do involve something to do with our crazy-ass legal system. But we may have to make a semi-regular contribution from the only-in-China file, which seemed to often uh, surround bad news reporting, such as this item. Mistaking an onion spoof for actual news, Chinese media reported last week that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un had been named Sexiest Man Alive. Apparently, the Communist Party mouthpiece People's Daily ran a 55-photo slideshow of Kim in various poses on its website, accompanied by this quote from the Onion article, With his devastatingly handsome round face, his boyish charm, and strong, sturdy frame, this Pyongyang-bred heartthrob is every woman's dream come true. Yes, apparently Chinese media routinely praised the North Korean regime, so it was not surprising that the newspaper failed to recognize the sarcasm. However, after being widely mocked in the international press, (laughs) the People's Daily took the slideshow down. Here's an item from the miscellaneous file, which I think I'll use to back into talking just a little bit about the trip that I was fortunate enough to take. But um, apparently marine charts for like hundreds of years, have listed an island called Sandy Island between Australia and New Caledonia. That island has now been undiscovered by Australian researchers. A team aboard the Southern Surveyor went in search of the 24 by 5 kilometer island and um, found nothing but Blue Sea in its supposed location. I think of this because uh, when I was flying between the island republic of Vanuatu which is itself between Fiji and Northern Australia. I took a flight down to Sydney, and that took me right over the substantial island of New Caledonia, which looked surprisingly like California, and took our aircraft not all that far from where Sandy Island is supposed to be. And I have to admit, no, I didn't see it either. Now, when sitting with with a travel agent. In this case, it was uh, Stan, of Patterson Travel, who's spoken to us in the past in this program about travel. Travel is something uh, uh, we, we do think is a good thing for all people to do. from Now now and again, we think that uh, Stan Godman will probably come back and talk to us uh, more about uh, his specialty, which is Asian travel, and I'm probably going to have uh, somebody from Doug Cheeseman's uh, organization down in the Bay Area come talk about some of the uh, um, eco-traveling that they like to promote. But in contemplating a trip down to look for this eclipse in Australia, I thought, well, on the way down there, why not go to Fiji? I wanted to go there 20 years ago, and they were having a rebellion, which discouraged the air carriers from going there for a while. After hearing my friend and colleague, Dr. Sean Killam, describe adventures in Vanuatu, uh, which included some drinking of their local kava product, I thought that might be a fun place to drop in on. And once the eclipse was over, I thought, why not go up into Asia and see some territory I've never laid eyes on? Thus, I went up into the Philippine Islands, across over to Vietnam for a day tour in Saigon, followed by three nights in Cambodia, including the the alleged eighth wonder of the world, Angkor Wat, up into Laos for a couple nights, and then over into Hanoi, which included a uh, a, um, a brief cruise out on Ha Long Bay, which is... Uh, Quite a spectacular bit of geography. has been featured in many films like James Bond movies. After which I planned to spend a couple nights in Shanghai, a couple nights in Osaka, Kyoto, and then one night in South Korea on the way home. It didn't quite work out that way. I decided that one serious goal I must have for the rest of my life is to avoid all diesel fumes. They tend to give me a quick headache, and I, I do suspect that this contributed to sort of an ill feeling which I had in Cambodia. And I have to note my opinion is that Angkor Wat is in fact not the eighth wonder of the world. It's, it's interesting, it's cool, but it cannot be spoken of or should not be spoken of in the same voice as, as the pyramids at Giza or the Mexican pyramids at Tenochtitlan, or even the spectacular uh, temple complex in Pagan, Burma also known to some as Myanmar. I should note, too, it was very cool uh, being overseas and seeing President Obama with Aung San Suu Kyi in Burma. I got it on good authority from some people I was speaking with in Fiji that uh, that Burma is on its way toward opening up and uh, should become a much better-known travel location to folks uh, like you. And I hope you will visit Burma. I was quite enchanted by it on the five days I spent there back in 1988. These days, it's possible to get a visa much longer than one week, and, um, and it's a place which I'm sure would be worth the time investment of, of well, just about any of you. Well, at least any of you who are, whose idea of a vacation is not Club Med, because I'm pretty sure you're not going to find that sort of uh, vacation experience in Burma for a good long while. I do want to clarify remarks made earlier about getting ill in Asia. While in Cambodia, I came down with something. In retrospect, I think it was some sort of nasty virus. But while I was there, I was wondering if I'd contracted malaria, given the degree of sweats, chills, and fever I was experiencing, along with just general headache and feeling awful. I do think now, in retrospect, that it was not uh, malaria, thankfully, but between driving around Siem Reap and visiting Angkor Wat and what was uh, I think some pretty polluted air along with contracting some sort of bug well I think it did not um, did not enhance the Cambodian experience that's for sure and you know what this really deserves more than a few minutes of just blathering on uh, I think I on next week's program I'll take a little bit of time and try to outline um some of the cool things I was fortunate enough to be able to see and 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 spell out uh, w- with some detail what it is like to to visit there. I may be assisted in this particular process by the fact that I did uh, maintain some uh, uh, postings on a blog I set up. I'm not sure I want to refer you guys to that, but uh, I'll think about that. I I pretty much wrote uh, right off the top of my head without a lot of editing, and I think before I refer people to it, I need to do some cleaning up of what's on uh, paper, as it were. And uh, before I'm done next week, you can bet I'm going to do some bagging on China in general, and Shanghai in particular. But that I think will save, and I think, in fact, we'll take a break at this point. Uh, if nothing else, to give my voice a rest. So, uh, let's do that. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. When we come back, we'll see if we can't make a trip uh, below the equator and speak with our new Australian correspondent. Stay tuned for that. 7.37, on, honor this the sky oh, Won't you take me down to Memphis on a ride, I